Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today you get to hear Luke Coppa and me talk about some new skis, and actually some new, new, new skis, uh, and some new ski boots, and gas station food, things got a little weird there, and we talk about owls, and we talk about touring liners, and some outerwear, and I don't know, there's probably like 36 other things that we talk about in this episode. It's a little weird one for you, so you're welcome. And some other things I want to point out, we did, in fact, drop our Blister Crash Course Snowblade video this morning, so you should all definitely check that out, and we're going to follow that up this coming Monday. I'm actually going to go record this conversation in just a few minutes. Uh, This Monday on our Blister podcast, we're going to do a bit of a recap slash behind the scenes uh, with the blister reviewers who are featured in that snowblade video (laughs) there's some behind the scenes discussions and fights and questions that i think you're going to want to hear about so check that out maybe we'll even be able to include a link to that video in the show notes of this video and again that video happened because those of you dear listeners rated and reviewed this show in Apple Podcasts, and so we went and got on Snowblades and lived to tell the tale. Uh, Just a reminder, if you do like these Gear 30 conversations, and let's be honest, for some reason, a whole bunch of you do, at least you keep downloading the show and texting us and emailing us about it, so we know you're out there. Our next Blister Crash Course video, that happens when we hit 750 ratings and reviews. Again, if you don't like the show, don't go rate it. Don't worry about it. But then I also don't know why you'd really care to see us snowboard, other than maybe you want to see us all die. So that actually checks out. So, okay, it's actually all kind of making sense. Anyway, we get to 750 ratings. We go make our next Crash Course video. That's us on snowboards. This is the one I am admittedly most afraid of. So anyway, go rate and review Gear 30 in Apple Podcasts, and then you get to watch a snowboard. Also, I want to say, we got another video released uh, for you today from our Blister Summit, and this time we just dropped our Blister Summit panel session on ski boot design. This was a good one, and so we'll include a link to that panel session as well in the show notes of this episode. So man, what a weekend for you. You get our Snowblade video, you get this panel session on ski boot design, you get to hear Luke and me talk about gas station food and owls in this episode. You're really living a charmed life, dear listener. Anyway, let's keep it moving here. I do want to say that this episode of Gear 30 is presented by our excellent blister-recommended shop, Bentgate, in Golden, Colorado. From big mountain ski objectives to sunny afternoons on the trail, Bentgate Mountaineering has the gear you need to go get after it this spring. Their knowledgeable staff are experienced skiers, climbers, and mountaineers, and can guide you through the toughest gear questions. In fact, you've heard 
Bent Gates own John Weir on this very podcast, you know, flex his gear nerd muscles right here on Gear 30. So, you know, we're not making this stuff up. Furthermore, have your ski boots or running shoes been hurting your feet lately? We'll just schedule an appointment at the Bentgate Boot Lab, and whether it's with custom footbeds or advanced shell modifications or liner adjustments, their boot techs can address even the trickiest fit issues. Finally, don't miss Bentgate's new Summer Adventure Center. Fully stocked with the best camping accessories from brands like Thule, Goal Zero, Hest Beds, and Domestic Coolers, you'll be able to build out the camping rig or the adventure van of your dreams. So go check out their store in downtown Golden, Colorado, or visit them online at bentgate.com. And with that, buckle up. Things are going to be informative, but they're going to get a little weird. Here we go. All right, Luke Kappa, fancy seeing you in Blister headquarters rather than in Snowbird, which is where I saw you <laughs> about 48 hours ago-ish, mm-hmm. 48-ish hours ago. Yeah, we were there. Now we're back. I think we should talk about some ski gear. Yeah, between Snowbird and kind of the tail end of the lift access season at Mount CB, we've been skiing a good bit of stuff over the past few weeks. Yep. And I think what we should do is open by talking about the ski in two lengths that we just skied this past Monday, because this we're going to have to be a bit cryptic about this, I'm afraid. So actually, this will probably mostly just be annoying to listeners. But, um, you know, wouldn't be the first time we've annoyed people on Gear 30. (laughs) So why not? Why? Why stop now? Yeah, we're not really sure we're allowed to talk about this one so much really clued in gear 30 listeners really clued in gear 30 listeners might be able to surmise if they think about some skis that you have actually been wishing existed in the world that's really all we're giving them is that good yeah yeah (laughs) i think astute (laughs) listeners and readers could probably piece it together and to be clear we will be less cryptic as soon as we are allowed to be yes um but yeah it was an exciting day um skiing a ski that i have been thinking about off and on for a while now and yeah it's funny trying to talk about a ski that you can't really talk about um but it was i mean my takeaway from that time was that it was going in the right direction based on what i (laughs) was hoping it would be uh-huh. and more so than a version I had skied a year ago. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cause there we, <laughs> let's just do this for like half an hour <laughs> and just see how just quickly. Incredibly vague. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because this ski, a version of the ski we first got on at the first blister summit, number one. So over a year ago, and then this prototype or the latest prototypes were not at year two of the blister summit. So we just skied two lengths of the mystery ski on Monday and you, I did not get to get on the ski at the first blister summit. So you like these versions better. I do. I think it also helped that the lengths we skied two lengths and one of them was more appropriate for me 
and the conditions you were skiing. Whereas last year, skiing a very long version, like took it down Rambo <laughs> oh, you with did. Jake Stevens. <laughs> yeah. And then down either peel or banana or something. So like full, wow. full tight terrain CB yeah. skiing. Whereas at Snowbird, even though conditions weren't ideal for the last this, day. Yeah. The, the very last day it still, yeah, just, it felt a bit more like how I wanted the one from last year to feel. So, <laughs> Ironically though, we, we traded off skis. There was a longer length and a shorter length. I liked the longer length better for what we were skiing than mm-hmm. you, but I see where you're coming from. This yeah. is the worst, <laughs> worst five minutes in the history of Gear 30. It'd be really funny if we were just talking about like some prototype snow blades and we're like, well, one of them was like 67 <laughs> centimeters and the other was like 78. And I really like the longer one. Yeah, uh, that, w- that would be even worse than what we're doing right now. Okay, but we have been talking, I will say, to try to, you know, make us sound more relevant at the moment. We have been talking a decent amount on Gear 30 episodes about prototypes and prototyping. And we can say like this was actually another really interesting round of um, skiing with the actual designers and talking and learning a lot more about the their prototyping process and the rest. And those are just good kind of high level gear dork design dorkery conversations to have. Um, and so not only skiing some models that we're kind of interested in, but like getting to talk and getting like sharing perspectives on that whole process. It's kind of been a theme. Well, at least for me this spring. Yeah. Yeah. It's always really nice when we can kind of go straight to the source and talk to the people who design products that we've been testing and yeah, learn about their perspective. And I mean, there's always a lot of things that just on our side as reviewers who are posting reviews for consumers, things that maybe we're not thinking about that like no one really thinks about unless you're on the back end of the design process and hearing about certain constraints or considerations they have to factor in is always really interesting to me. Yeah. We were supposed to open by talking about the phenomenon of buying weird gas station food. Oh yeah. Are do we somehow save that for what we're celebrating? No, I think that's a different thing. <laughs> is that, it's unless it was like the fact that we survived. Okay, well, there would be, especially when I go to mine, a rationale for doing this in our what we're celebrating segment, like just surviving it. I'm not sure if I've spoken before about this on Gear 30. I eat the weirdest stuff when I just start road tripping. And I was telling this to some people because I ate the weirdest stuff maybe I've ever eaten on the drive to Snowbird. And other people were like, oh yeah, we do that too. Do you 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 are one of these weirdos like me? Yeah, I my, I'm of the opinion that once you're in the car for more than Honestly, for me, it's like more than an hour. <laughs> it's like there are no rules. You enter a different dimension when you come into a gas station or convenience store during a road trip. And yeah, I end up mostly I end up eating extremely unhealthily, which is ironic because you're doing just about the most unhealthy thing at the same time. You're driving, sitting in a car, mm-hmm. absolutely no physical activity right, whatsoever. But 
in my mind, basically since I could drive, I was like, once you're on an, a quote road trip, it's like you just get the excuse to go crazy. I don't really know why. Like even in college when we would go backcountry skiing, it was only an hour and a half each way. But I had a friend who was big on stopping at the last gas station before you get into the canyon and there's no service and getting uh, corn dogs, which were definitely put, put in the, the roller things last night because we would drive up there at like 5 or 6 a.m. And yeah, I, my diet goes to absolute crap once I'm on the road. I do, it kind of makes me sad that I don't have the willpower. No, it's the opposite. I I had absolutely no willpower in like college times and would just, just pig out and eat whatever. Now I get in there and I don't have the just random innate urge to buy like three bags of chips and four candy bars. I did... My go-to is often uh, whatever donuts they have lying around. Uh-huh. And I stopped at a very nice Dude. Maverick around Grand Junction <laughs> mm-hmm. and passed up on the donuts. I was like, ugh, I'm getting so mature and it sucks. But um, yeah, I I think there's a very real aspect of once you're outside of kind of your home base, it's just like there are no rules. We, I feel like maybe we've talked about this if you guys have heard us talk about this phenomenon on previous Gear 30 podcasts, let us know. Maybe point to the episode or or don't because I'll feel bad. But um, I see your story about passing on the donuts at Maverick. And first of all, shout out Maverick. High end, high gas end <laughs> gas station. Like I, I, I sought out like when oh, I knew totally I, when I knew I had to like I kind of needed gas, but more so I needed to get like some caffeine or something. I was like, yeah. I'm waiting for a Maverick. Yeah, yeah, I do the same. <laughs> I don't know totally what's going on there, but that's kind of our feeling. Though I will say, I had a dinner down in Salt Lake Monday night. Had to stop and get gas. Stopped at a Seven Eleven. Just had dinner. Like just had had dinner, not not like a crazy big dinner or anything. It's like mm, 10, 30, 11 p.m. I decide it's time to get two donuts at the 7-Eleven. You can never just get one. Really? Well, what about the like, it was like the long maple covered, like the kind of long it john thing? It doesn't feel right to me to only get one Okay, donut. I feel better. I, like I'm either getting zero or many. Oh, zero or many. Okay. So I get two. And then I go up to the cashier and there's these not good looking like cream filled pies. Mm. And the guy just sees me and he must just be able to tell like this dude has no willpower and just makes bad decisions when he enters a gas station. He's like, uh, hey man, uh, these are a dollar right now. So I'm like, sure. He's like, these have been sitting here for a month. You look like the only one who's going to buy them. <laughs> he goes, these are a dollar. I'm just like, sure. And then he goes, two for $2. And I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> not I, a have, deal. <laughs> I have two donuts and this terrible looking, It's it, I don't even know what brand it was. The best part about the, like shout out to the gas station for as a sales person. The uh, next day, as I'm driving back to CB, I see the exact same like pie thing in a different gas station. Want to know what the regular price is? One dollar and fifty cents. One oh nine. So wow. excellent! Somebody in the ski industry should hire that that yeah. guy at the Seven <laughs> Eleven in Salt Lake. 
And then I guess this is just confession hour now. I ate the two donut, d- two donuts, and the really disgusting like chocolate cream filled like hat like pie thing on the way back to. Oh yeah, I would have the, the cliff. Same thing. Yeah, and I'm like I'm heading on the road again. When this airs, I'll probably be on the road. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the same exact thing. And and then this is like a non work related trip too. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking my college aged no uh, self discipline attitude will return or that's my hope that's your hope (laughs) we can all pray for luke everybody i since we've gone down this path though i do actually need to make one more confession about um yeah about gas station weirdness i asked you though do you have your like clearest weirdest thing you've ever eaten at a gas station so i'm from wisconsin cheese is kind of a big deal there one thing that's almost impossible to find outside of Wisconsin is good fresh cheese curds. Um, but sometimes I will, I, I'm not too worried about the good and fresh part and I just want cheese yeah. curds. Yeah. Turns out one of the gas stations in Gunnison had, like we stopped there to get some snacks to fill up with gas and they had some cheese curds. So I bought those. And first off, most of the people in the car had never heard of cheese curds. So like, why are you just eating chunks of cheese? This is very strange. And they were very bad. Like they weren't, I don't think they had gone like foul, but they were not good cheese curds. So that's probably the one that I most regretted. But man, like, like back home in Wisconsin, every gas station pretty much, especially in the central area and northern area, has like really, really good cheese curds. And that's one of the things I I miss most about that place. (laughs) Okay. Cheese curds. Well, on the drive out there, uh, you know, I did what I often do, which is stop at a Mavericks gas station. They need to sponsor this. (laughs) They do. Yeah, they do. But then... I go into a Mavericks, I'm doing the thing, I'm walking the aisles, I'm looking around for apparently the worst thing I can find, which, you know, and like when I'm home, I eat like kind of wildly clean at home, like pretty much buying just straight vegan at the grocery store. And so it's like real clean at home. And then again, I don't know what happens in the transformation, but I see in the Maverick gas station, one container, one of sushi and somehow my brain is like that's probably the thing i ought to buy it was like seven dollars and 99 cents high grade high grade gas station sushi and i looked at the package and i was like is there like real fish or meat in this thing or what's going on couldn't tell didn't see (laughs) yeah didn't see any words that seemed to indicate like real fish and so i bought it and i ate it and it turned out well for you, right? I mean, I didn't get sick or anything. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. But like, yeah, we were talking. I I confessed when I got to Snowbird that story. And was like, yeah, I just bought gas station sushi. And everyone was like, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's a bold move. That's a bold move. Um, that's really all I got. We should probably stop talking about this really quickly. Yeah, let's talk about skis. But if there's an article, if anybody can like, I'd like to think there's like a psychological, like a disorder Mm-hmm. Like if we named this, put a name to it, and then I could just be like, oh, well, I suffer from... Or maybe it's something inherent to human nature. I don't know. But I feel like the number of people I've talked to that share the same kind of approach to this, I feel like it's not super out of the ordinary. I mean, there's obsessive compulsive disorder. There's like ADHD. I just, I feel like if we named this, 
gas station bizarro disorder, GSBD. Or we should try and come up with something that spells out blister. <laughs> okay. But I need more time for that. Okay. If you guys can figure out how the name of this disorder that with the acronym of blister, let us know. Otherwise, it's GSBD for now. Um, okay. Pretty much everybody's already stopped listening at this point, but we're going to now talk about more gear. Where do you want to go next? Uh, well, I guess we might as well kind of round up the some of the skis we were on this past weekend at Snowbird. The first is a ski that you and I had both technically skied before, but we both got back on for the first time in a while. Um, the For you, the 192 centimeter. For me, the 182 centimeter. Dina Star M Free 108. Um, you got on it before I got there, and it sounded like you had a pretty good time. Very good time. Yeah. Um, I did just talk about that ski on this week's uh, Monday's Blister podcast that we did with Sander Hadley. And Sander and I talked quite a bit about that ski. It's the ski that he is both touring on, and he's basically skiing it every day, whether he's in the resort or backcountry. So you can listen to that if you want more M Free 108 talk. But what I said was that 192 centimeter ski paired with Snowbird, like that terrain and that ski was like, this goes real well together. I, you know, we have a number of friends who ski that ski here in Crested Butte. And I still, there's some things about well, both the length and the rocker profile of that ski that I'm not exactly sure that it would be like my personal favorite ski for the terrain here. But man, like take super weird moguls out of the equation and like really, really steep scraped off sections where you can probably find some of those around Snowbird. But overall, like the terrain of that place just works mar- remarkably well with that 192 m free 108, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of jealous. I, But I took the opportunity to get back on the 182 because I'd skied the 192 last year and still a really fun ski, just super maneuverable. And I had been skiing the Genostar M-Pro 90 earlier that day and then the M-Free 99 in the middle of the day. And as it kind of got slushier, got on the 182 M-Free 108. And it was still super fun. Like for how heavy and damp it is it still feels like a very quick and maneuverable ski so i was just kind of like i mean i was seeking out bump lines because all the bumps were so big and wide or like so widely spaced and relatively easy compared to what i'm used to and it just made me feel like a superstar yeah um so yeah it, it was a good combination and when i did hit some some like firmer stuff that had refrozen or something. It's got enough weight to it where it doesn't feel super harsh, which is nice. And yeah, people can read our full review. Like my take hasn't changed on it. It was just nice to get back on it. Yeah, for sure. And and I maybe we'll end with the punchline. What I said when I was talking with Sander is just like ignore the 192, just kind of scrub that out. I mean, the ski measures like tip to tail length at a 190 centimeter length, but it is quite heavily tip and tail rockered. So like you can get off, you know, the full length of that ski quite easily. Um, But yeah, and we've maybe told this story before. For me, at least that 182 just feels too short. I think given the rocker profile, 
maybe it is still worth people who are like, ah, if it came in a 186 or 187, I'd be into it. But 192 just seems too big for those people. I would say get on it. Yeah. Even for Crested Butte, I still prefer the 192. Yeah. Yeah. And we know plenty of people who do. Yep. Where are we going next? Um, I want to talk about the ski that I skied on closing day this year. Mm. Um, the last week of the season, we got a few majesty skis, um, including the havoc TI, the metal version of the carbon version, Paul forward skied last year. That's up in Alaska. Now the women's Videra TI and carbon, um, which are female reviewers have been on. And then the dirty bear XL, um, so the Dirty Bear has been one of uh, Majesty's all-mountain freestyle skis for a long time now, but for 22-23, they're splitting it into the Dirty Bear Pro, which is a 90 underfoot, and then the XL is 105 underfoot, so more a bit more all-mountain than park-oriented than the previous versions. But when I first saw it, I was kind of surprised, like, for a modern 105 underfoot ski, even a freestyle-oriented one, it's got like almost no tip and tail taper, like really a long effective edge. Has tip and tail rocker, but not a lot for a ski that wide. And it felt really stiff through the cambered portion, which is most of the ski. So I was pretty curious about it. It's also fairly light. I think ours is like 1,960 grams for the 186 centimeter version. Uh, so I didn't, really didn't know what to expect, but I was pretty psyched that I mostly just found it quite intuitive. Um, it carves really well, unsurprisingly. Um, but I liked that I could still drive it through the shovels when I wanted to, especially on piste, um, rather than just like being limited to kind of casually cruising and rolling it over from your ankles. Um, so great carver, a lot of energy, um, still really liked it in tight bumps and steeps. Um, but the one thing I noticed with that fat, non tapered tail, I had to be a bit more deliberate about unweighting it or else I had a few times where it like hooked up if I got a little backseat or just like was too centered on the ski and our our really tight big moguls um and in the kind of slushy snow that we had that day I wasn't really wishing for something that was way more planted or anything like that so I think it does ski well for its weight and that low weight does make it more forgiving than I think uh most similarly strong minimally tapered skis would be in bumps and stuff when i got off balance i could just kind of flick it back into the right direction because it's pretty light um and it's like it's it's a rare case where hand flexing it the on snow performance did not uh feel like what i expected Mm -hmm. it's actually pretty easy to lean back or forward and bend the ski and load it up into ollies or nollies or whatever. So yeah, overall it was a, a ski I really enjoyed skiing and I I was kind of worried about taking out new skis on the last yeah. day of the lift access season. I didn't want to ruin it, but like I, I took out a couple that day and ended up kind of picking that one as the one I would spend most of the day on and really enjoyed it. And there's a flash review on our website for blister members if they want to learn more. Hmm. Mostly I just want to get props because I think Dirty Bears got to be one of the better names in the entire ski names of ski model world. Yeah, I've never heard the backstory of it, but I feel like there's got to be something there. Yeah. I don't think I would ever just randomly come up with Dirty Bear. Yeah. And it's a cool top sheet too. I should talk about the ski I skied on the last day of CB's season. The Renown Endurance 98. By the way, last day of the year was freaking awesome. 
and I did not expect it to be. It was amazing. It was cloudy all day. Yep. But it ended up going like pretty much full slush. Yep. And yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I if there's if anybody wants to know how awesome it was, I basically just started second half of the day after doing headwall laps, just started doing monument, like monument to some crystal or dropping into Jokerville and then heading over to Sylvanite and just like banging out Sylvanite laps, which I don't do that every day. Um, but that seemed like the line of the last day. I told you, I think this Renown Endurance 98 might be my favorite Renown ski going. Mm -hmm. You were right to bring up the Endurance 88, but I really am liking this 98. Um, do you do you have a thing like what is it about the 88 that you think you prefer to this 98 or I like it better as a carving ski as you'd expect from a narrower version because mm -hmm. um, the 88's kind of amazing for that it's especially for how it looks yeah. like it does not look like a carving ski right. but it initiates and holds an edge really well whereas I feel like the endurance 98 definitely like felt significantly more off-piste oriented mm -hmm. i was mostly on the groomers i skied it was either like slush where it's like you don't really know what's going on or like super firm refrozen stuff but i think the the 88 i mean it, it makes sense for what they are the 88 a better carver mm -hmm. and it's a bit more damp and stable in my mind mm -hmm. whereas the 98 feels significantly quicker more maneuverable in bumps and soft snow and I guess a bit more playful overall, but that's my initial take. Hmm. What's up with that graphic? Tell me that. Yeah. Well, the one we have is a custom graphic. Um, that... We were, we've been, uh, Renown came to the summit this year and they were like, man, we're, we've been sold out of 184 endurance 98s forever. And then they just showed up to the summit and they had this one with a totally different graphic. Huh. And I guess it was a, I might be misquoting Cyrus on this. I think it was a collaboration with a brewery and the art was done by a tattoo artist, huh. but it's got a really cool looking owl on it. Am I allowed to like post a photo of it? I think so. It's All already, right. yeah, the graphics they've already done with the collaboration. I It's been a minute since I'm like, I really, really, really like this graphic and I really, really, really like that owl. I think I'm a sucker for owls. Owls and gas station sushi apparently. <laughs> Yeah, owls are pretty cool. They're pretty cool and murderous. And I think that would be like my best pet. Like I should have a pet owl that just like lives outside, you know, on like my kind of deck. And just brings you dead mice or well, something. Well, it probably just eats them. I don't yeah. think they're like cats they're where they want to show it off. They kill so basically pleasure. I don't, it's perfect. A pet that I don't have to actually take care so of at all. it's not a all. pet. It's, a, it's an animal it's like that kind of lives with you. Yeah, it's like a friend yeah. who kind of... It's a really low maintenance friend slash house guest. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The moment, the old moment commanders were also some really good owl graphic skis. You really can't go, if, if any, you know, ski companies out there, like we're really not sure what to do with this, probably just put a cool looking owl on it and we'll be like, yeah, it's a sweet graphic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, where are we going? Uh, next up, some other skis that were kind of stood out because they surprised me. Um, we've got several skis from Faction and for testing, including the Faction La Machine Mega, mm -hmm. um, which is the 109 underfoot version of the 
La Machine Max that Paul Forward reviewed. Um, anyways, he'll be talking about that in the future. We also got the new faction Mana 2 and 3, which are the essentially the what were the Candied 2 and 3, um, new top sheets and new name. And then we also got the faction Dancer 2, 3, 2X, and 3X. The X versions are the women's versions. And the main thing that they changed, the Dancers are what used to be called the Dictators, there's not some big construction update, but they changed the available lengths. So we've been skiing the 183, the new 183 centimeter Dancer 3 and the new 182 centimeter Dancer 2. And I had skied uh, the 21-22 Dictator 3 and a 188. Mm-hmm. And so had several of our other reviewers and we weren't huge fans as I think we mentioned mm-hmm. um, previously, mostly because... The tail felt super stiff. The shovel didn't felt substantially softer. Um, just basically, it was an extremely game on ski and not all that stable. The new lengths of the dancer, I think, just have way more intuitive flex patterns than what I had experienced before with the dictators. They're still definitely not super stable or damp skis, um, but. I feel like now their flex pattern and general level of maneuverability pairs well with their lower weight. Yeah. Like to me, yeah. they're just kind of like what mm-hmm. I think of when I think of like aggressive directional dynamic skiing rather than like just drive and plow and make giant turns and blast through everything. They're like skis that are really fun to lean into hard with the goal of like finding a mogul to gap or like air off of something or like carve them really hard and get bounced out of a turn out of, out of a carved turn. Um, I've just found them very energetic, very low swing weight. As long as you stay somewhat on the shovels, that tail will release fairly easily in bumps. Um, and I just ended up, especially in the spring when it got like somewhat chalky or slushy and it wasn't as harsh. I would, I would prefer a heavier ski when it is really nasty, but like, I really like them as bump skis, um, and maybe even more surprising was how well, how much I enjoyed carving them, hmm. especially the two, because uh, they don't look like carving oriented skis. They to me, especially the two, looks like a fat mogul ski, mm-hmm. honestly, just shape wise. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed them a lot, and people can um, we've got flash reviews up of those as well, and the women's versions. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say I I like that dancer 3.0 much better than the especially the two iterations ago dictator 3.0 um the flex pattern feels better the suspension feels better it yeah it it now makes sense as a inbounds ski in the way that i just didn't feel like that kind of first iteration of the dictator 3 really did and you can go read our reviews of the of that ski. I was I would start telling a very specific story, like, well, if you're touring on what actually would be a pretty heavy setup, but you're going for some like big mountain pow lines, that's kind of where I felt like its sweet spot was. And uh, my time on the Dancer 3.0, I had a I had a yeah, I've had some good days on it um, here. So yeah, yeah. Now it kind of feels like it falls they fall in the line with some of the lighter 
directional metal laminate skis, the Armada Declivity series mm-hmm. is the first one that comes to yeah. mind where it's a case of like, I feel like people are learning how to refine these a bit and they can make skis that are fairly strong, but also fair, fairly light, not super light, not unbendably stiff, but I don't know, maybe it's just the kind of trend returning to the center and just kind of figuring out how all these different aspects go together in the best way. Yeah. I think I want to talk about an Alpine boot, then I'll later talk about a touring boot. Kind of a quick note for now, we don't really need to go too in-depth on this, but I think there has been a decent amount of confusion, certainly on our side, and some questions out there about the Lang RX and the Lang RS. I'm now very conscious of my pronunciation. If I got the RX, damn it, I can't do it real r and then the letter you try r x yeah see now it's in our heads r x that's helpful i'm sure versus the r s as in sam so the r s is the more kind of race oriented looking boot it is a plastic sole versus the rubberized sole of the r x um when I was skiing the RX, man, I'm super self-conscious now. This is terrible. I need to go to a, like a speech coach or stop talking about this boot. But when I was skiing the RX uh, last spring, it just felt huge on my feet. And so then I was like, wow, okay, apparently I need to get into the RS, the plastic sold boot. And then we were told, well, actually, it's the same shell. And so then I was like, well, wait a minute. Is the RS going to be too big for me as well? But we had that boot uh, come in. And I can tell you, it is two very different liners. And it is the liners that are providing two very different fits uh, between those two boots. And so I've done about five days now in the RS, the plastic sold boot. It is a snug fit on my foot. Um, I talk a little bit. I just dropped a review, um, flash review and first look of the Redster, Atomic Redster CS130. I talk more about the heel pocket there. Um, You can look that up. But basically for anyone who has put their foot in an RX and thought apparently these don't work for me because they've heard the same shell story, try the RS. Um, It's a very different fit with that liner so yeah skiing it i might wait to really try to weigh in on that boot depending on what kind of temperatures i get the rs in this spring um i might wait to do the full review till next season but um i'll I'll shoot i should be able to get a flash look up and um but anyway this was a kind of public service announcement for that like i can i can verify two very different fits and the RS with its stock liner is a much more low volume fit than the RX. I'm going to stop saying those X and S now. Yeah. Is that all right for now? I think that works. It's okay. good to clear it up because it's like something even I was, yep. wasn't was sure about for a while. Yep. Um, on the topic of boots, uh, this will be just a quick, quick kind of preview. But this week we got uh, ZipFit's new touring liner, the GFT. Uh, and I just had it fitted with the help of our reviewer and bootfitter, Kara Williard. 
Um, also, shout out to the folks at the Alpineer and Crested mm-hmm. Butte who helped or uh, let us borrow their kind of boot fitting station while they were doing end of season inventory. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is for this is Zipfit's first boot specifically targeted at touring. It's got a kind of flex zone above the Achilles. It's built a bit lighter than their other options. Wait, oh. a bit. Yeah. Uh, as in little bit. As in 200 grams, essentially. No, it's not. Uh, I just weighed them. <laughs> Wait, that came in at... what? Did, we have a pair the, of 26.5s? The and a 26.5 after adding cork for my feet is about 513 grams. Your Gara's, which are quite old, are about 695. Okay. So it's not nothing. It's still a heavy liner for a touring boot. Yeah. Um, I actually had it fitted for the Technica Kochi 130. And Kara and I were both talking about like how heavy this Zipfit liner is. And I looked up our weights for the Kochi's liner. That's about 420 grams. So, and that's a substantial liner. It's more of a 50-50 boot than a dedicated touring boot. There are plenty of boots that have 250 gram liners. Yeah. Anyway... Um, it still feels very substantial yep. compared to just about any touring liner. A uh, lot of leather. The cork itself is quite dense. Um, but mostly, I just haven't had a touring boot that I really loved in terms of fit, basically, ever. Because um, God hates you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, We've it's my punishment. Um, whatever my whatever I did in my former life must have been really <laughs> bad. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I have it. I think it should work quite well in the Kochi's. I think it should also work in the Atomic Hawks Prime XDD 130 that I skied two seasons ago a whole bunch. Um, so I will be chiming in in the future about what I think of those. But I've never actually used a ZipFit before. I have used that Atomic uh, Mimic Professional liner, um, which... The foam liner. Yeah, the foam injection one, which has similar goals in terms of really dialing in the fit, mm-hmm. but is very much not a touring liner. Anyway, I'll have more to say about that, but I'm very excited at the prospect of maybe having a touring setup that Doesn't isn't kill you. painful, isn't so loose that it creates blisters and goes up and down well. So mm. we'll see. So wait a second. You said the measured weight after you added cork to the ZipFit GFT, you got you were coming in about what weight wise? Five hundred and thirteen grams per five thirteen, which is about a hundred grams heavier than the Cochise's stock liner, and I'm not good at math, but probably about a little under two hundred grams lighter than your ZipFit Garas, which are coming in around six ninety five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see once you. I don't know if you're like, oh my God, this is a revelation. My feet feel great. I probably won't actually try to ski your liner because I would feel too awful if somehow I moved cork around or something and threw you off. But anyway, yeah, curious. And of course, curious about the downhill performance. <laughs> I, I will, imagine it's going to be pretty good. I imagine it's going to be pretty most good down, or as Most well. touring liners. Yeah. And I mean, it does like, like when I was trying to figure out which boots to mold it for, it was when I was doing the specs for the Fisher Transalp Pro that we just posted a review of last week. And I mean, it definitely limits range of motion in that boot compared to its stock liner, but its stock liner is super minimal. I think Mm -hmm. like probably 250 grams lighter 
and that boot has like a stated 80 degrees of range of motion for the shell and like in that boot i was like yeah this definitely limits it but walking around in the coaches and the hawks prime xtd i wasn't noticing much of a difference just walking around in a room in terms of range of motion so we shall see yeah well there's another boot that i'm quite intrigued by um some of you know that earlier this year uh i was skiing in the solomon s lab mtn summit a touring boot that cody townsend has had a hand in uh in terms of its development um we had a pair come in at uh, 27.5 size 27.5 i am a 26.5 i went and skied a you know not insubstantial line on it um, and had a very good day in the boot. Um, The boot walks incredibly well and it actually felt pretty good on the down, even though it is a larger size than I'm normally in. And Solomon had kind of said, well, you know, because I was like, I'm not skiing a 27.5 and they're like, well, it kind of tends to run a bit shorter. So I, you know, agreed to still go get in it and wrote a flash review uh, of of that boot. But now we've got a 26.5. I just put it on a scale, the left and right boot with the liner and the shell, no insole included, came in at 1,166 grams, which is weirdly barely lighter than the 27.5s yeah, we the tw- reviewed. Our, 20, our 27.5s were only like 20 grams heavier, basically. So I'm still like slightly scratching my head on that one. But anyway, uh, 1166 and um, uh, should be getting out this weekend on them, potentially on a pretty cool line. If I would have liked that boot on that line when I tried it. <laughs> for the downhill? No, for the uphill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm going to like it on the up. I'm Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to name the line just because if conditions aren't, permitting we won't do it of course anyway i hope to have some more to report back soon yeah and i'm also curious to try it as well because i was really impressed by the 27.5 but like it was hard to tell a whole lot or like hard to ski it hard because my foot was just swimming in it Uh uh-huh um and so maybe i'll shove those zip fits in it see how that feels you can't do that i can (laughs) that's like putting a what is that like they say they're good for touring so Ah. And if they fit my feet, then that's probably going to be the only option anyway. So we'll see. Okay. We try to have reviews that are relevant to people though. You literally might be the only person on earth putting that liner in that shell. I mean, that's not like, it's not like it's a, a schema race boot. It's supposed to be a 120 flex touring boot that happens to be under 1200 grams. All right. It's only, I don't know. For uh, hundred and forty grams lighter than a Technica Zero G, so we'll see. I mean, I'll like always. We ski boots stock first, yeah, and that's what I did with the twenty seven five. But I'm not gonna if it means if using the zip fit means I can actually bear skiing in the boot for a full day, then that's probably what I'm gonna do. Have you ever thought maybe you should just suck it up more? No, mostly I've thought about snowboarding. <laughs> okay. All right, fair. Well, then we'll let you do it if uh, if it means you're going to continue to test ski equipment. Yeah. Though, who knows? Maybe it's time to, 
I feel like you've been slacking a bit. And so we probably need to like have you start reviewing snowboard equipment as well, just because I feel like maybe you have too much time on your hands. Yeah, loads of it. Um, we did also just get uh, some moment blades that we haven't yet mounted. And I'm seriously debating putting tech bindings on them like Cy Whitling does and skiing those. And that could be a new category for us. I would feel sad about that though, because it is, it is frankly, like, let's just be straight. It is a real shame that these just missed the making of our Snowblade video. Yeah. Which, by the way, should be up. By the time this comes out, it should either be up or be out very soon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the- Which is, it's a good video. It's a pretty good video. Um, Okay. What else do we have to wrap this up? I will wrap it up with a brief note on apparel because that's sort of my thing. Um, I've been skiing in Strafe's recon kit lately, which is their non-waterproof, super minimal soft shell jacket and pant. Jacket happens to be an anorak. Um, but basically the old version was like my all-time favorite spring and summer ski kit because it was so breathable that I could leave it on even when it was like 55 degrees and sunny, but still blocked a substantial amount of wind or the occasional like afternoon brief storm in the summer. Um, but they totally changed basically everything about it, most notably the fabric, which is a lot stretchier and more supple now. And I was kind of worried that it might not either hold up as well to the wind or breathe as well, but so far it seems to do both equally, if not better. I've been able to skin in it with a pretty heavy base layer in like 30 to 40 degree temps without sweating, like pretty much at all, mm. which is rare for me. Mm-hmm. I sweat pretty easily and that's why I love the the old one. But at the same time, I wore it at the resort a couple days at the end of the season, um, which is like, it's a very slim fitting kit. I was joking that I was like testing out my Grand Traverse kit, mm-hmm. which I was very much not. But like on some win- pretty windy chairlift rides, I wasn't getting that like cutting, biting feeling of wind just slicing yeah. right through your layers. Um, so I met, my initial take is that they have not ruined it at all and they may have improved it, especially in terms of like the pocket layout and the cuffs. So I will be spending probably just about every spring touring day in that kit going forward um, hmm. and we'll be saying more about it in the future. But it's pretty slim fit? Very slim fit for a <sighs> ski kit. Yeah, and it's a medium which I may or may not have deliberately done so you couldn't wear it. <laughs> I need to talk to the strafe guys about... Well, their sample size is a large. but Well, the, yeah, but the, I need a medium or large not slim fit. I like roominess. Their stuff my... is super... Like, you should try... We have their... So, the recon kit is current this year. It's just getting color updates yeah. for 22-23. We have their new 22-23 Nomad kit, which is a three-layer event more resort oriented, still air, air permeable kit. It's very baggy. We have it in a size large. In it's colors, back there? Yeah. In colors that I'm curious to hear your take on. Wait, have I seen this? I mean, you've walked past it a dozen times, but they're one of the few brands where their men's stuff next to your samples are size large. Um, I'm going right after this and conversation. And they're quite large. So oh. yeah, you can, you can try those out, but I get to test the recon. I actually have since many listeners care about this when it comes to like jeans i've been willing to go a bit less baggy than than i would previously run but when it comes to like ski gear i'd like to be able to move i like i'm like that in the resort but in the backcountry i don't care how i look at all yeah i could tell 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair. All right, I'm trying those on. Are you going to tell me what colors? Uh, one, the pants I think are like a mint color and the top is just a straight like orange color. Mm. Um, like, I don't think they're, me- they're not meant to match. That's for sure. But they had pretty limited availability okay. this time of year. Mint. They do have some really cool, uh, colors coming out next year that people should keep an eye out for next fall. Okay. I did, by the way, we talked about the fly low anorak. You described it as pink and that's, it's a, it's a soft, soft pink. Well, the thing it's is like we were looking, pink. we weren't looking at uh, real samples where they send their catalogs with digital yeah, mockups, yeah, yeah. which means there's a lot of color variation. So yeah, it's a very subtle pink. It's very subtle. It's, it is great looking. I will say, yeah. even though anoraks are still stupid, but it is great looking. Um, okay. Sorry. I just, yeah. Between the gas station sushi and the tangents about my preferred bagginess of fit, this is may, this isn't maybe our best gear 30 episode ever, but you, I mean, we can't, you can't, <laughs> uh, you, they can't all be the best, yeah, right? And this is the information that, you know, there's just not an easy place on our website to get this in, important right. information. Out yeah, there. you're right. I take it back. This is the best possible place to get some of this information. <laughs> so you're freaking welcome. And maybe you should try being more grateful listeners. None, none of whom have complained yet yeah, while recording right. this, just right. anticipating it. By the way, if you enjoy these podcasts, <laughs> please please give us that five-star rating and, and I'll stop yelling at you preemptively um, for not enjoying this episode. All right. I think, is that, are we done? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be trying to get on a f- fairly big line this weekend. Are you Are you touring? Are you riding bikes? Are you fishing? Are you, oh, you're you're Moab bound. Yeah. So that was my, what With we're the, celebrating is oh, I just that stole your thunder. I'm going to the desert. We drove past the desert last weekend on we our did. way to snowbird. We did. Um, but going back, I just like to, I mean, I think like a lot of people like to do a trip this time of year. I'm sure there will be plenty of people around us when we're there. Um, but it's just like a really fun break from spending basically, I mean, all of, November through April in CB in in like full winter high mountain Mm -hmm. area. It's just nice to be somewhere so different. So we're going to head down there, try and ride some bikes, try and just hang out in the sun and relax, uh, which will be, I think very nice, hopefully. Except you'll be there apparently with everyone else in the world. Yeah. We, We were a group of friends. We were heading that way until we heard about, there might might be a few people in Moab this weekend, and so we audibled on the plans. Um, yeah. Anyway. On second thought, given this is, this comes out on a Friday, uh, I heard Moab is closed this weekend. <laughs> I'm so bummed I won't be able to go. Right. Um, I heard Summit County is really fun this time of year, so I'll probably just go there. Yeah. Right. Well, we should also say, since we raise a glass to these things. I am currently drinking an athletic brewing company, Upside Dawn. This is their golden because I'm going to go get a squat workout in after this, which doesn't sound as cool as skiing, but these things need to be done. Um, Tonight, I'm going to have a whistle pig old fashioned, but this time I'm trying for the first time, I'm going to make it with whistle pig piggyback, their six-year-old rye. And Tor Verdonk, who we spent some time with at Snowbird, I actually went to his house 
And he gave me some of these packets of the, it's called, so there's an orange fashioned and ginger fashioned and a smoked fashioned. He gave me these packets and they're actually kind of amazing. So I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to go a whistle pig old fashioned. Actually, I'm going to do the ginger fashion tonight. So that's what I'll be drinking tonight. Um, in terms of what we're celebrating, mostly I survived the gas station sushi, um, getting together uh, with some good friends this weekend to celebrate our good friend, Brian. So maybe I should just celebrate Brian. And the fact that I don't get nosebleeds nearly as frequently as Luke does, who currently has a nosebleed sitting across from me. Yeah, it also happened when we were at Snowbird and everyone thought I had gotten in a fight uh, on the mountain. But Which, because nope. that's because your, your fighting attitude. Wildly aggressive. Yeah, yeah your wildly <laughs> aggressive take. Um, so, uh, Luke, I hope your nose stops bleeding. I hope I survive my first barbell squat workout, uh, actually of the year. Yeah, during ski season, like like we just are skiing too much. I'm often, it's, I don't love it, but I'm often not getting there. Uh, and then we're going to raise a glass to Brian. So I think that's it. I think we did it. All right, Luke. Well, I'll let you go. Um, good luck this weekend. I hope everyone on earth goes where you're going and not where we're going. And uh, I was smart and didn't tell people where we're going, unlike you. Except, I mean, you did say you're going to Summit County. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so see y'all in Summit County. See you at Keystone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Uh, if you didn't enjoy this episode, we apologize. If you did, well, there's probably something a little bit wrong with you, but it does prove your willingness to hang in there. Stick-to-itiveness. Your stick-to-itiveness to learn about some gear nerdery. And I do think we supplied some decent gear nerdery in here. Yeah, it was just between weird uh, comments on food habits. And yeah, stuff, stuff like, like that. that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hey, everybody, um, thank you. It was cool. At Snowbird, hearing just a lot, a lot of comments about gear 30 and our other podcasts. And so it was, you know, good to hear how many people are out there listening to this stuff. And, uh, yeah. So on that note, we're going to go back to work. <laughs> You're going back to work. I'm going to get this workout in, then I'll go back to work and hope everybody does have a great weekend. All right, folks, talk to you later. Well, that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to thank Sexy Luke for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And yeah, if you are strange enough to enjoy conversations like this, then we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review this show in Apple Podcasts so that we can go hurry up and break a bunch of bones snowboarding, I guess. Anyway, I hope you all have a great weekend. Do check out our Snowblade video and the panel session from our Blister Summit on ski boots. Hope you also get outside and we'll see you and talk to you again on Monday. More Snowblade talk. Bye, everybody.